Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Faith here with your podcast, Welcome Toast. Frozen foods such as ice cream, brownies, and cookies have absolutely no calories because calories are units of heat. Listen to our show in small bites or enjoy the whole thing. I drive a beat-up car, a caravan, the color blue. Reminds me of your eyes and all the places we've been to. We're tethered to the leather, searching for a better view. It's in a stellar when it's me and you. We're taking off. We're taking off. This is what I live for, baby, on my open road. It's the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Glad you're with us to eat, drink, and be merry. We took the show on the road to a new destination, Whitegate Farm in East Lyme, Connecticut. A little later in the show, we'll tell you all about this great place with a cooking school built in and recipes, organic vegetable-centric. In a scrumptious way, there's chocolate and cream cheese icing, a fabulous-looking tart. I'm with the people I love, like family, Chris Brasberry, Mark Raymond, senior producer Robin Doyon Aiken, Alex Province, and our special guests, Pauline Lord and Kent Gertie from Whitegate Farm. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hey. All right. Wow. Here's, here's, isn't this amazing? This is incredible. So we're in East Lyme, Connecticut at this farm. It's about 100 acres. It is beyond gorgeous. So, so beautiful. We're so excited. We've been eating their food. We have recipes that they've given us that are posted at our site, foodschmooze.org. So I want to play a little game, and then we're going to talk about some things we've been doing recently. Let's do, when you look out, what is the lead slide? What are you seeing here? Chris, go. Oh, I see when we walk down to the pond. As you're walking down this little hill, you see a building off to the right, and this building was the original ice house for the property. And I just envision people hundreds of years ago cutting through the ice and saving those blocks in this gorgeous old building that they've restored now. And, I and just maybe want, ice fishing. Yeah, and I just want to move Cocktails. in. Yeah, and I just want to move into this. <laughs> and they have this little building as one of the rooms that one day you'll be able to stay in. And I just want to move in there. Wow. It's just such a beautiful view Me of too. the lake. Me and, too. Yeah, gorgeous. Exactly. Center. Mark, what do you see when you're walking around this farm? Well, I want to take it just a step back. I remember pulling up and driving down this typical, you know, Connecticut road two lane with woods on both sides and then all of a sudden the driveway you pull in and it just opens up to this beautiful little valley on one side you've got sheep and then chickens wildflowers on your left and then in front of the house there's just this beautiful garden of lavender it's just amazing absolutely incredible alex pulling in you see the beautiful green lawns thanks to the chickens and all that nitrogen and then you see an unmowed meadow filled with echinacea and coneflower and Russian sage yeah. and these beautiful red papaya echinacea. And it's something out of a P. Udolf garden. It's absolutely spectacular. All the butterflies and honeybees that are on the farm, all like getting their lunch. 
So this is going to be interesting because Pauline Lord, special welcome to you, owner of this farm. Thank you so much for having us. You're here all the time, and that changes what you see, I'm sure. So today, when you're looking out, what do you see? Well, it's wonderful to see it through all of your eyes mm -hmm. because, as you say, I see it every day. But yes, I'm in love with my lambs right now, my nine lambs. And we have brand <laughs> new chicks that were delivered yesterday by the postmistress herself. So we always have something new and kind of wacky here, and it's a lot of fun. They were yeah. peeping in the box when you yes, picked them up? absolutely. <laughs> you have a long tradition of fun at this farm, I think. We right? do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we have Kent Gertie, who's the farm manager. Kent, having walked every square inch of these 100 acres, I bet. Indeed. What do you see today? Sometimes you forget how beautiful this farm is, but when you walk through the fields, you tend to wonder, is there a bug over there? Is it an insect over there? Do I have enough tomatoes to make it through the next market? Do I have enough uh, fennel for the kitchen to make our wonderful vichyssoise? So I see it more from the business side, but what's really nice is when it's quiet in the evening, the mowers are off, and all you hear are the birds, mm -hmm. and all you see are the butterflies, yeah. and that's when it's truly magical with the sun setting just behind us here, and the colors in the sky really come to light, and that's yeah. what makes White Cake Farm really special for me. Our senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken, what do, what do you have? Well, I was struck by the mix of old and new that's everywhere. Oh. So the first thing, maybe it's just because I'm a big Robert Frost fan, was that I just noticed all the stone walls everywhere around me, which mm -hmm. are so beautiful. But this is a working farm, and there's a lot of technology around here, too. It's just such a mix of old and new here. Yeah, I love that. Like yeah. those old tractors from the 40s? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Next to the 65 horsepower John Deere that was purchased last year. And I love yes. both of them equally. <laughs> Horatio. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're great fun. Great you know, fun. I, I have to say that my colleague, Karen Tomasco, said, you've got to check this place out. And we were thinking, let's go on the road somewhere. And so that led us here. And if you're someone who likes to go to farms the way we do, this place even has rooms to stay in. It's so gorgeous um, in a real farm way, but also this kind of natural beauty here, as glorious as um, really maybe any spa that I've been to in a real way. This is real gorgeous farmland. It's like timeless, so, right? Yeah. yeah, so here we are. Yeah. We're, in, we're in this gracious yeah. farmhouse. Can we take a step back, though, because I want to talk about our recent adventure. If you look on Facebook, you know that we did something pretty wild. We saved up our pennies because Nantucket is expensive. It's 36 miles, I think, or 32 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. So everything is expensive there. They can't help it. So we saved up our money, and we decided we would do the show for a few days from there so and have fun. experiences, oh wasn't it? If you look on Facebook, Faith Middleton... A food schmooze, you'll see us zipping around in yeah. a restaurant uh, in to a, restaurant. In and Alex and Matt's dinghy, yeah. we went restaurant to restaurant. I think Matt gave we you tried. a fast ride. He gave me a very fast <laughs> ride. Well, how many miles an hour was that? I think it goes like 25 or And that's 20, pretty fast in a dinghy. Water, yeah. So uh, we ate pizza, we tried Italian beer, zipped around in that dinghy to see the fog rolling yeah. in. So in an, an amazing experience. And we're going to come back to the farm in just a second. I just wanted to tell you, if you haven't seen it, go to Faith Middleton Food Moves on Facebook and check that out. For this show, you can go right now to foodschmooze.org and see all of our pictures of the things we've been doing here 
at Whitegate Farm. You'll see how beautiful this is. We have pictures of the food. We have recipes posted at our site, mm-hmm. foodschmooze.org. Okay, how about this idea of making granita? I can never find my ice cream maker when it comes time to make ice cream in the summer and every recipe says, and now put it in the ice cream maker. I never can, you know, I think, where did I put yeah. that? And is it frozen? Is it and cold if it's, enough? it's filled with frozen peas yeah. in the freezer yeah. in the bottom. Yeah. 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 So so how about this granita idea where... Like a fork? Yeah. So the you old would, way. You take a, right, a casserole dish, mm-hmm. right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. You make a sugar and water, so you've yeah. got a syrup. You simmer mm-hmm. that for a little while. Take a, a small, maybe ceramic baking dish mm-hmm. and put in whatever flavor you'd like. So having been here at Whitegate Farm in East Lime, you know, there's lavender oh, here. Sure. There's oh, a, yeah. you could, Rosemary. I mean, you could yeah. do a lavender lemonade in your granita mm-hmm. before you freeze Ooh. it. You yeah. could do my favorite, which is I do a watermelon puree in a little bit of lemonade. Mm-hmm. Chris, you might I, have an I, idea. I, I, I do a rosemary one. It's kind of savory sweet. Sounds a little weird, but it really, mm-hmm. those two flavors just really come together. So you've got that sugar water yeah. syrup uh-huh, now. That's mm-hmm. sweet and then that piney kind of rosemary flavor. So you dump in your favorite things. Yeah. And then into the freezer it goes. And is it every hour? I think Mm -hmm. we take a fork every hour and scrape, scrape, scrape. Mm -hmm. And then sort of shake it back into form. Total of four hours, and it's done. You have the most beautiful granita Mm -hmm. for next to nothing and And, delicious. No chemicals, just beautiful, beautiful. And if you're, this farm is almost totally organic. I think it might be, is it fully organic? certified organic. 100%. 100% organic. Okay, so there, you've perfected my recipe by a mile. (laughs) And I think it looks better, doesn't it? It's more rustic when you do it with a fork than when you do it with an ice cream maker because, I don't know, it comes out so uniform in the ice cream maker and when you do it with a fork, you got big pieces and small pieces and all kinds of different shapes. You know what I would do for Mexican night? I would use Mexican Coca-Cola. Oh, sure. Maybe yeah. add a little cherry. Yeah. So instead of sugar water, right? Yeah. Just use the Mexican Coke right or out if of you the have bottle. A flat bottle of yeah. soda in yeah. the refrigerator. Uh-huh. Don't throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> what about so adding a little basil? So much for the organic. Balancing. No yeah, no <laughs> basil. No basil. <laughs> it's amazing how savory herbs work like, great right. in granita, uh-huh. like basil, rosemary, rosemary thyme. Right. Yeah, they yeah. all do changes nice what they are. And balance it with yes. lemon, maybe. They say lemon and lavender. Preservatives help people live longer. I think that's something, something like that. Um, Better living oops, through chemistry. That's a mortal sin where I'm, where I'm sitting right now. Mm. We wanted to tell you about a book that has come out that we consider armchair travel. I just finished reading it and had a really great time. It's called Cooking for Picasso by Camille Aubrey, who mm. spends half of her time in Connecticut and the other half in the south of France, which wow. is a pretty good life. Mm. So this is a book that is inspired by a true incident. Apparently, in the spring of 1936, Pablo Picasso couldn't paint. He was in this turbulent love affair. So he secretly rented this villa in the south of France and left Paris in the Riviera. And nobody knows what happened, but suddenly he picks up the paintbrush again and starts with his painting. And among those paintings is a picture of a woman who was mysterious to a lot of people for a long time. That's what this book is about. Who is she? Wow. What happened? And um, then there's, there, there's this parallel story. There's a, a woman named Ondine who is the granddaughter of Celine. Celine is the woman in the, in the picture, the Picasso wow. picture. And she's come back to find out what happened here. 
It's a little mysterious and wonderful, and you're in the south of France, which is really not bad. So talk about great armchair travel. That is called Cooking for Picasso out in paperback. So, Chris, would you tell us, uh, we wanted to bring back that tip about making instant cream from a little bit of heavy cream in a container so that you can make something just instantly Mm -hmm. for strawberries that we might be getting here on the farm or any of the other fruits they have. Oh, yeah. You take cold whipped cream, put it in a little canister or a little uh, glass, you know, big enough to hold it and remember it's going to double in size when you froth it or whip it and then you can either use an immersion blender or if you have a cappuccino frother those little ones that faith and i got at ikea yeah and they're like what seven dollars at ikea you put a couple batteries in it 99 cents a little bit more yeah but you just take that and put it into the glass with the cream and it whips it right up and it's seconds so you have instant whipped cream without having to use one of those fancy devices with a charger and all that and you can decide because this is one or two servings you can decide whether you want vanilla Mm -hmm. extra vanilla sugar no sugar honey whatever you'd like syrup you can maple syrup take take it and add a dollop on your coffee sure yeah re-whip it in the morning yeah okay here's here's what we're doing in case you just dropped in for a quick bite of the uh, food schmooze we're at white gate farm in east lime connecticut and we thought it'd be fun to take our show on the road we have great recipes we've just eaten that they have given us to share with you. If you're someone who likes an adventure, especially in the season where you want to just get in the car and know that at the end of that journey, you're going to find 100 acres on a lake of gorgeous farmland in East Lyme, Connecticut, that someday this is going to be an inn. They're working on it right now, and I'm packing mm-hmm. my moving truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reserving um, my room. <laughs> This is organic. There is a farm stand where you can buy the food made or the vegetables themselves. It's absolutely extraordinary. So we're going to come back to Pauline Lord, who is owner of this farm. How did you end up, after growing up in New Haven, then going out to California, how did you end up leading this farm life? One of the things that I did in California was I ran a conservation group, and we were always involved in land battles. And there would be you know, dark, dark nights thinking we were going to lose this one. And I would think, well, if I can't save this 68 acres, there is 100 acres in Connecticut. And I can try to save those. <laughs> because this was your mother's This was my mother's farm. So when David took his early out from the U.S. Geological Survey, we cast about for the next great thing. And with a lot of wacky ideas about moving to Paraguay and raising coffee, we eventually tried this place. Because she said, hello, I'm your mother. I have a farm. And uh, that's how we came here. So inch by inch by inch, or were all these beautiful plantings here? It's really been inch by inch. We started with one field, and we built one greenhouse, and we you know, eventually got the chickens, and somebody had the crazy idea of getting alpacas. That was a bad idea, because uh-huh. anybody wants to know, I'm happy to talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because they spit or something? They, they smell. Will, you, know, they? you really need to focus on alpacas. This was a side thing for us, but I had to take them to the big E to show them, which was a combination of humiliation and boredom. <laughs> So oh boy. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but, uh, so this is like the narcissist of the animal world. <laughs> <at some laughs> Seriously. 
we, we sold them before the market crash, which was good because nothing will lose its value faster than an alpaca. Really? <laughs> mm, bad investment. Sorry. Good to know. so funny. Oh, my so God. I, I love this one. Hold on. I can change my 401k right now. <laughs> alpaca futures. Goodbye. <laughs> um, here's what we're, we're going to do. We're going to talk on the other side of this break that's coming up about how you start a farm like this that grows into what this has grown into. It, it is so, so beautiful here at the farm. And we're also going to talk about what we ate and share with you the recipes and show you what you can do with these organic vegetables and desserts. And they were, un uh, there's a chocolate thing. And I had a, a mandarin cake, wasn't it? It was so phenomenal, Pauline. Really amazing, amazing. We're going to talk with Kent Gertie, who walks every square inch of this land as the farm manager. All of that. And we have a special wine to tell you about. A new release of a rosé. And it happens to be from a winemaker we absolutely love. So stay with us for that. We'll be right back with more of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Bean. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'm Faith Middleton with the gang here at Whitegate Farm in East Lyme, Connecticut, where we have taken the food schmooze on the road. We're sitting on 100 acres. There's a lake, and there's every, there are foxes that come here. There is a, a bobcat that, that uh, not during the day, people, so not, yeah. not to be afraid. So, Pauline, would you tell me the story? I, I love your husband's wall that he rebuilt on the edge of your property. It's a classic New England wall. And there was some mention of it in the old days in New England being called a whiskey wall. The idea of the whiskey wall was landowners would hire a bunch of guys who seemed to be excessively motivated by whiskey <laughs> and would say, here's the jug and put it at the end point, the destination of this wall, and say, if you can build down to that wall, that jug is yours. Oh, yeah. Mark and I are in. Like, where's the, where's the wall? That, I'll get the rocks you pile up. No, I got that's, this is a, such a wow. coincidence, because we do that at the end of the food schmooze. Yeah. We say, if you can yeah. make it through this hour, There's a that bottle of, bottle of bourbon. <laughs> that bottle of bourbon is well, yours. Well, that's perfect. No. I mean, it really is a fascinating story. Your husband was also telling me that the so many of the walls were originally built by slaves. That's oh, wow. right. Yeah. So in yeah. New England. That's part of our history. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. David is so excited that you were focusing on his walls because that's his gorgeous. big passion. We have about a, a whole mile of stone walls here on the farm. Anybody yeah. who's gorgeous. farmed in, in New England knows that that's our number one crop or stones. The stones, we, yeah. They just no keep coming up, right? They keep yep. coming up. We plow through it and 
every Bang, year there's the tractor more. gets hooked up on something and sometimes you start digging the top which looks like a tiny bit and it's a lot like the glaciers and as yeah. you go down it gets bigger and bigger and you end up coming up with something the size of the sofa you're sitting in. <laughs> And, and it's it a beautiful happened. gray granite, right? It's, it's a Connecticut all granite. All granite. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Plays havoc with the machines. Anyway. Um, can we also thank, as we start talking about this food, the people who cook here at this farm? Oh, yeah. Because that's Paco Rodriguez and Leslie Moore. And yeah. they cooked all of our food for us. They do all the cooking for the farm stand delicious. for all these products. Awesome job. Delicious. That are, delicious. That are sold delicious. here. And so nice. So you're going to find at our website, foodschmooze.org. You know schmooze. S-C-H like school, M-O-O like the cow. Very appropriate here. Z-E. Um, we're on Upper Patagansett Road in East Lyme. Take a drive and come see this place. So we're going to talk to you, and these are the recipes we have on the site, about a fennel vichyssoise a zucchini and carrot ribbon tart with ricotta, kale and orange cupcakes with an orange icing, chocolate zucchini cupcakes with chocolate cream frosting, a gluten-free clementine cakelet, which was my personal favorite. I just flipped out over that. I didn't get to taste the chocolate thing that you all the tasted. flourless with. chocolate. The Swiss chard mm-hmm. tort. Oh, the Swiss chard tort. With chocolate amazing. ganache on top. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a wonderful, wonderful cake. It has a huge amount of premium dark cocoa in every bite. And it's super dense, and it's just a wonderful thing. And, and it's amazing how the Swiss chard just, you know, you can taste it in yes. there, but it's... It works so It well. adds moisture, but also Swiss chard has a bit of an earthy quality to it, and mm. so does the cocoa. So the two of them married together beautifully and brings through that, that yeah. uh, smooth creaminess. It really was nice. Big that yummy. Was, glad you liked it. It's one of my really favorite. Really yummy. It's big head at the farm. That's yeah. three yummies, Chris, I think. Yeah, three one. yummies. Three yummies. yummies. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the fennel with So we have fennel and potato soup, essentially, with some that look like uh, diced scallions. Uh, sitting on the top, uh, really delicious. Crisp We've got that yeah. recipe. This is all organic. Everything that they're doing here at the farm is organic. Yes, it is indeed. And it's a, just a great soup for hot weather. Nice and cold with fresh yeah. herbs on top. Pauline, why did you do all this organic, which is one of the harder things to do? So that's the first question. And the second question is, how does this connect with your sense of caring for the land here? There are so many reasons to do organic because you're protecting the aquifer, the water supply, the wildlife, just everything. And you start dealing with pesticides and herbicides, then it's just a slippery slope. Mm. So since I lived in California for such a long time, of course, I was bitten by the organic thing. And it just seemed the obvious thing to do. I have to say also, Pauline and her husband are very brave because Connecticut is known to be the second most expensive place to farm in the country. And so you guys, kudos well, that's because of the cost of land. Right, right. So since yeah. land was very inexpensive for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed like the thing you do. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, there was your, your start right there. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to make it easier for you when we move in. Yeah. It's going to be so much easier. <laughs> I look forward to that. It'll be perfect. I love it. Um, so now our next recipe, we had these zucchini and carrot ribbon tarts with ricotta. For those who think, oh, I'm going to miss meat, I don't want to be vegetarian, then there are others who say, well, maybe one day of the week I'll try and go a little bit more vegetable-centric. This was delicious. Oh, yeah. This is like being in the the countryside of Italy, 
to have this thing. And it was so beautiful to look at too, because of the way the ribbons were swirling around the top of the tart. Yeah, look at the picture right now. It was so right decorative, now. delicate Don't pastry that, underneath, and so tasty. Yeah. You tasted every bit of it. Even the ricotta, so velvety and sweet. And when you start with vegetables that just come out of the ground, you don't need anything to go with it. Thank you for you mentioning that, You don't need salt. Chris. You yeah. don't need anything. There's a huge difference in going out to the garden, yes. grabbing something and cooking it, than there is going to a store and getting something that's been refrigerated, that right. came on a truck for hundreds of miles, and food breaks down. And there's something about the sense of place, too. When you're cooking... The soil no, is still yeah, rich. There's yeah, minerals there's, left in the soil... But, but it's also like that memory of going to the right. farm stand and grabbing it and then bringing it home and cooking it that it was like eating a just, still life yeah, looking yeah, at this it's magic. everything you enjoyed here came from the farm there was something yeah. in it a lot mm -hmm. of it came from the farm was yeah. harvested this morning yeah. or late last night to be baked yeah. into these wonderful wow. things so i'm glad yeah. you appreciate that yeah. it's real Delicious. food it tastes that tastes like food mm -hmm. that is important it's when i came in that celery sitting on the table i snapped a piece yeah. when you weren't looking and i started Excellent. chewing on it and celery has a flavor that we almost forget because right. of yeah. the stuff we get in the supermarket the celery you grow here just has that flavor that i remember celery right. having when i was a kid as you walk through the fields here because it is organic you yeah. can reach down and just grab something and enjoy it and, we, and uh, indeed we did it's nothing chris to saw, wash off exactly chris yeah. saw something he wanted to try Peppers. and said let's try that pepper <laughs> let's wow. eat that. so we reached down we snapped off a pepper <laughs> and it just up. wiped it off and yeah. we all enjoyed it right there. hey listen we have nothing against supermarkets and small no, grocery stores right. no we need them so we know that but i'm gonna say this i'm a big farm preservation person as everybody on the show is when you get something that has just been picked from a farm and you go to a farm stand no matter where you are mm -hmm. and then you come home and you cook that thing to get at what chris is talking about with freshly picked food these vegetables you can taste the subtlety of each thing and how mm. they go together yeah. like sliced That's beets right. we're eating sliced yeah. beets nothing I've never them. eaten raw beets right? before and they were absolutely delicious and the carrots are like candy what's yes. that puree the of the hummus and oh we had the beet hummus and the spicy carrot hummus and the color look with the yeah. raw vegetables yeah. yeah well it's important yeah. to note too that they're roasted off so they're all yeah. caramelized the mm, edges of the beets sugary. are caramelized it brings out the sugar and yeah. the smokiness yeah. and the carrots especially have yeah. a really nice caramelization oh. so there's no reason why we can't do this at home right chris no not at all so you go to a farm stand you get, get the freshest vegetables beets roast them yeah. and take your regular hummus recipe and instead of putting chickpeas in it just use your roasted vegetables well we do chickpeas as well oh you do chickpeas as yeah. well yeah see you can or you don't have to you yeah. can just make it all vegetables. what do you grow here we walk through so yeah. much we I mean, grow 53 different wow. crops here and oh some gosh. of those oh, have oh, multiple oh, multiple oh. varieties like tomatoes yeah. or yeah. potatoes we walked by the tomatoes yeah. almost ready so. yes they're the size of my fist they're <laughs> gorgeous ready. they're perfect they're, they're flawless and they're all green yeah but they're coming they're coming yeah. i yeah. didn't see I, they're yeah. coming they're late Excellent. this year they are indeed it's painful because everybody asks where well, are the tomatoes yeah. well, we don't soon. have them yet soon, soon. what they, about corn you know we tried to grow corn for years that is impossible yeah. to do organically mm -hmm. and i mean mm. we tolerate Eat him. 
Well, like, that's everything. for sure. Everything. <laughs> but those disgusting earworms, yeah. those corn worms, mm. I mean, we just couldn't deal with those. Yeah. And we tolerate And no one wants us. them if they have bugs, right? No. no. Those were just gross. Does your farm stand open year-round? Because you get into selling turkeys. We are open two days a week, Chicken. Wednesdays and Saturdays until Christmas. And then we're closed until sometime in April. We yeah. just want you to get us through Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. really yeah. what we're Absolutely. interested we're in. We're busy. And you're doing Thanksgiving. pumpkins, too? We have lots of food that continues, lots of oh, produce yeah. that continues right through the holidays. And we are absolutely full of stuff, piled high oh, in yeah. shops. Potatoes and Potatoes squash. Potatoes and winter oh, squashes. Yeah. And, and beets greens. And, and then some of the spring greens come back to finish the yeah, season. The you start spinach. with the greens. Yeah. And then you miss the greens because you're in the season. And then you go back to you the know, other greens. Some of the uh, um, vegetables, as the ground gets colder and the air gets colder, they start to caramelize in the ground and so they become sweeter. It turns out to be one of the best times to get things, the late crops, mm -hmm. when there's a chill in the air, right? Yes, yeah, so, well that's why we like to wait until after a couple of frosts to harvest the Brussels sprouts. Oh side. sure, starts to sugar. Yeah. Way so, sweeter. I'm looking out at this vista, I can only imagine in October what this place looks oh, like. Oh, like the it's hills nice. are on fire, right? Mm -hmm. It's colors. Mm -hmm. So what about this life for you? Pauline, I can't imagine you ever thought you'd be doing this, about to run an inn, and you know we're we're seeing the start of progress here toward that. You already have rooms, or people can rent the farmhouse, but here you are being a farm owner. What do you like about this life? It's just endlessly interesting. There's always stuff going on. There are always problems and challenges. It's really fun. I love the farm stand. We have so many loyal customers who I think are drawn not just to the good food, but to the community aspect of the place. Uh -huh. we, we know them. And I think in this day and age, I mean, there's a lot of alienation out there. I mean, I think that's partly why the food schmooze is so darn popular, because you are all so warm. And you create community. community. And we, yeah. on a very small scale, try to create sure community. Sure you do. Yeah. I'd like to add to that. I mean, people come to our stand also because they go to a place where somebody knows their name. Pauline knows the name of just about every single person that comes into our stand because they've been customers for years. And then they bring new customers by word of mouth. So, so you see them each mm -hmm. new year? Yes, yeah, every year's past. Well, oh, yeah. Do kids come? Do, do oh. oh, the children love coming to the farm because they can walk around. We encourage them to walk around. We encourage people to, to take their dogs along on a leash, of course, and uh, you know, walk down to the lake, go see the beehives. We have five beehives in the back and then go see the chickens. And we encourage them to take the carrot green tops and feed them to the young, gorgeous, six-month-old laying hens with mm -hmm. Uh, a little warning, just mind your fingers because they do feed enthusiastically. <laughs> you don't want to lose a tip of a finger to a chicken. What, but. what, what do the kids, do the kids say the darndest things? Oh, or? they do. Well, they do. I mean, Pauline touched on community here, and we have a lot of school groups who come through. And I think we've had several hundred students already this season. And we take them through a tour depending on their age. And this one particular group came through. I think they were fourth or fifth graders. And uh, we showed them, I brought them in, and they were, they were all hyperactive and fun. And we showed them the tractors. We started with the tractors, and then we walked to the greenhouse. And this young girl kept saying, but where's the animals? We went to the greenhouse, and we're talking spinach. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the animals? We walked to the other place, and once again, and finally there was this moment of, of quiet where I could actually address her. I looked at her, and she said one more time, where's the animals? And I said, they're all in the freezer. And the parents had this look on their face. They laughed out loud. This guffaw went across. And the children, silence. 
absolute silence. And the young girl who asked me this question, her eyes are, are bugging out, and there's a look on her face, and she doesn't know what quite to say, because is he serious? Could, he, could it be? She leans forward, and she said, you're so mean. <laughs> and, and everybody's laughing so hard, and all the kids don't know what to make of it. And I said, well, yeah, but you eat burgers occasionally, and you like, you like chicken occasionally. Well, yeah, I love it. And then again, silence, and you see their minds ticking along, saying, you know, indeed, there's a certain amount of violence that goes along with eating meat, and they, they need to understand that at a young age. But it was quite funny to see that. <laughs> yeah, Love oh that. boy. It's so, where our food comes from. Yeah, exactly, and it's exactly. important that people see that. Yeah. Chris, how do you think of it as a chef? As far I mean, as you're food? an animal oh, lover, gosh. and at the I'm, same I'm, time, you're, yeah, you're raising I, pigs yeah, for slaughter. Oh, gosh, and yeah. I mean, there's definitely, this is part of our food system, right? And I think we've become disconnected from where our food comes from, not just mm -hmm. the, and not just the animals, the vegetables too. I mean, that's why it's important to come to a farm and a farm stand and really get the, that attachment back of where our food is coming from and how it's raised. And then all our food gets better, right? If we understand where it's coming from and then you pay attention to that, then you're going to be more focused on asking even in the supermarkets like before we used to. Like, where does that come from? I can right? say that in all these years of going to farms in our region and in other regions, maybe in different parts of the country too, honestly, I have never met a farmer who didn't exude respect oh, for the process, mm. the land, mm. the relationships, the farm hands, you know, just remarkable respect. That's, it's a beautiful life you have. Yeah, indeed. Thank you for welcoming us oh. to this. So much my pleasure. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about a rosé. Now we've mentioned this winemaker on the show before, but this is a new vintage. And every year, vintages are different. It's mm -hmm. not like Budweiser beer, <laughs> where you get hired as a beer maker there. You know, they have zillions of them, so that it tastes exactly like it tasted. This is different. Wine is different from year to year, even from the same maker. And that's true for vegetables and oysters. And Grapes. you know, one oyster, 10 inches from another one will taste different. Mm -hmm. So it's always exciting to see what happens in the bottle, in the glass, on the plate. All right, we're going to take a short break and then more food schmooze at Whitegate Farm in East Lyme, Connecticut. And don't forget, a great wine discovery coming your way. We'll be right back. If I could bottle this up, bottle, bottle this up, I would. I would bottle this up, bottle, bottle this up, I would. Cause you're gorgeous in this moment. If I could bottle this up, I would. I'm Faith Middleton, and I'm with the gang. Thank you for listening to the Food Schmooze on the road for this edition. We're having the best time. We are at Whitegate Farm in East Lyme, Connecticut. You can come here too because there is a phenomenal farm stand. They prepare the food for you or you can take home all those uh, vegetables. There's 100 acres on a lake in East Lyme, an incredible destination, gracious, gracious place. They're working, as I mentioned, on uh, this becoming an inn also amazing food they have cooking classes here they have tours for children you can roam all over this farm but i, I also want to say that when we go on the road 
we assemble quite a crew. And so a special thanks to the greats and also the unflappable Joe Koss and Kevin Cool. Thank you so much for setting all this up here in the living room of the farmhouse. It's, it's really terrific. Of course, I'm with my food buddies, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Mark Raymond, uh, wine broker Alex Province, Pauline Lord, who is owner of this farm, uh, senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken and Kent Gertie, who is the farm manager, were all here at the farm having a great time. Can we turn to this wine, everybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Alex, you, this is a discovery of yours. It was last time. This is the new vintage. If you're starting to get into drinking the dry rosés that are so pink, so beautiful, we have one that is from the south of France, mm-hmm. the Cote de Rhone. And Alex, tell us about this. It's called, if you go to the website, you'll see a picture of the label, Domaine Le Clos de Lumière. If you see a wine map of France, there's a city, Avignon, in the south, and this is just west of that. And it's grown in like a a chalky, sandy soil that the particles have been sort of polished until they're so small through um, erosion that the vine's actually able to pick up these little bits of mineral. So in the wine, you're tasting mineral. And it's Mm. so far south in France, that they have the mistral winds that come and similar to what you guys are doing, the winds keep the vines really healthy. So it keeps pests away, keeps fungus and molds. So the, the vines are actually cleaned by these really strong winds. And um, let me and, just try this. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And it's so sunny down there. So that it's like a really beautiful place. But when you try it, it's French. So the French ferment out every bit of sugar so when you taste it it's almost savory to me i taste strawberries and some spice yeah. mm-hmm. and fruit but it's almost savory like it's almost and a little uh, like acidity right little, oh you have to yeah. have that bright acidity yeah. Yeah. and i would have this you know just with that's what i'm thinking alex this goes with i mean do, mark do you feel that way this goes with everything speaking to the herbs and spices it almost has that sort of herbs the provence like lavender lavender yeah. in, in the background just kind of talking mm-hmm. to you as, as it's going down and I delicious always, i always say soup is one of the hardest things to pair with and the vichyssoise with the potatoes and fennel and this wine were a perfect marriage. Really right? good. I don't know if it was the fennel or the just the fresh potatoes or something in that soup mm. really worked well with this wine. And is this one of the what we would call the handmade wines oh, yeah. where they're not putting, uh, there are, what did the man tell us, more than a thousand additives? Yes, over a thousand. That they can put into wine the junk Maybe a few of the things are not harmful, you know, in terms Fish of say, bladders and copper metal. And people all who these think they're vegetarians things. are actually drinking um, meat in the in the <laughs> wine sometimes. Yeah. So these are these are wines that aren't made well, and so. But when you have a handmade wine like this, we tend toward those on the show. Mm-hmm. So always, right? Yeah, always. So what is this bottle, Alex? So this costs fourteen dollars. Which is, you know, I always say rosés are some of the best values on the market because from, you know, 10 to $20, a wine store will have such a beautiful selection of rosés. The thing is you want to get them fresh. So we want to get them the season that we're in. So these are all the 2016s. So just go to our site to see a picture of the label. We always say it's best to call ahead to your wine store. They're small. They can't stock everything, even the large ones. So if it's not on the shelf, a lot of the stores now have our... Uh, shelf shelf talker. Yes, the Fuchmoose shelf I've talker. I've seen them. Yeah. And so you can, if you're walking through, you'll see that flapping. 
Oh, yeah. um, but also, if they don't, by. some people are making up their own signs, mm-hmm. you know, recommend, recommended by the Fuchimos. But call ahead and read them the label. Don't be afraid if you can't pronounce the French name, the Spanish name, the Italian name. Just spell it for them. They're used to that. We struggle with them, too. Yeah. I just take my phone and hand them the picture from the website. I'd like to you get show some them a picture of, this. of the label when you're I, in the I'd store. I'd like some of this. So <laughs> at the website, we tell you exactly what to say. And they're so farmers. go to foodschmooze.org. And they're farmers, the people who are making wine, just you know, like what you guys are doing. They're small, third-generation, proud people that make mm. instead of growing, you know, tomatoes or growing grapes. And so it's the same. You want to look for the same things in these small producers as you would in who's growing your food. You want people that are respectful of the land, that are producing stuff that you actually want to put in your body. So wine is just, wine is food. I love that you say that, that wine is food. It's just, you know, it's grapes, it's fermented grapes. So it's coming from a field grown in a vineyard and it's, they're taking it carefully and pressing it and the little microbes are turning it into alcohol and then they put it in a bottle. So you don't want junk in it. So if you're gonna drink wine, drink stuff that's pure that you you know wanna put in your body. and, And you can get pure wine for nine and ten dollars a bottle just right? as easily as you can bad wine can. and from various countries and is that true in the united states sure can... sure oh, yeah. and a good wine shop if you walk into a good wine shop they are fussy a good wine shop will be fussy of what wines they carry i always say tell them what price you want to spend on a bottle of wine don't be embarrassed say because a, a good wine shop will have a ten dollar bottle that's mm-hmm. wholesomely made that's delicious um how would you put that I would say just that, hey, I want a, a small producer producing wine that's well-made, that doesn't have junk in it, and I want to spend $10. I and want they, it to be wholesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they know. A savvy wine shop gets it. You know, a lot of the, the mass-produced wines, um, you know, people buy them, and, and that's fine. If that's what you like, that's fine. But I was sometimes the wines with the ugly labels and the hard-to-pronounce names from countries that specialize in wines, including California and Oregon and Washington State. Washington State, yeah. So you can find in South America, South America, Spain, and Portugal. Portugal. But how does it work that this rosé that I'm trying right now can work with a delicate piece of flounder and also could work with a really fatty ribeye? Partly because it's French. The French see wine as a condiment to food. So they like to eat, and then they have a bottle of wine with their meal. And so they want the food to shine. And then as you're eating, the wine, you take a sip, and it complements. The wine is better, and the food is better when they're paired together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I think the other point, too, is that these are this rosé is made from red grapes. I mean, hearty red grapes. When you think of Syrah and Grenache and Red... Those are big, bold, red-style wines. With some tannins. And some of that carries through. Even though you're not getting that skin contact, you still get a little bit of weight. Aren't they getting a little bit of skin contact to give the, the, sure. the wine that pink color? That's the color. Sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. And they're saying rose with some fuchsia. Yeah. <laughs> so foodschmooze.org. Uh, if you're just joining us, I don't mean to repeat myself. It's just we always, we know people are piling into the show every five minutes. And we, we thank you for doing that. We're glad to have you at the table. We decided to take the show on the road. We'd like to do that every once in a while. And we are at Whitegate Farm on Upper Patagansett Road in East Lyme, Connecticut. You can come here, too. Thank you, Karen Tomasco, for pointing this out to us. It is 100 acres. It's absolutely gorgeous. And we're sitting in the living room of the farmhouse with uh, Pauline Lord, who is the owner of the farm. And other staff members, and we, we just can't thank them enough. So, Pauline, I know your mother lived till 
How many years ago did you say two? She died two and a half years ago. Two and a half. Yeah. How much did she get to see of what became of her farm? She saw quite a lot of it. She, well, there was kind of a big decision for us to move from California and live on the same driveway as my mother. We lived in the barn for the first seven years, and, <laughs> but she was totally great. And early on, she said to me, could, could we just get one thing straight? And I said, well, what's that? And she said, could we agree not to eat dinner together every night? <laughs> I said, Ma, I, love, I love you. <laughs> you know, so she was just great. I mean, we could be on the same property, but not in each other's space all oh, the I time, which right. was perfect. Mm -hmm. And she loved having all the commotion. I mean, some Saturday evenings, she'd say, who were all those people on the driveway? <laughs> oh, yeah, our customers, Ma. Oh, wow. Good so, stuff. I so love it. Was, was she excited? Why did she come here? She loved this land. She saw this place during a recession, and the house and, and farm had been on the market for three years. It was sort of languishing. And as soon as she saw this piece of land, she knew this was the place. Mm -hmm. She didn't even go in the house um, wow. before she knew. Did she use it as a farm, or was she, it more of a residence? You know, her caretaker was growing some vegetables mm -hmm. for her, but yeah. yeah, this was just her where she lived. Nice. She actually lived and worked in New Haven. Yeah, yeah. And when she got to be really old, I tried hard to get her to consolidate, but no. So anyway, <laughs> what, what does that mean, consolidate? Well, to live in one place instead oh, of two, a yeah. mere 45 minutes apart. Yeah. yeah. So she wasn't very practical, but she was marvelous. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the stories that you tell about her, I thought, yeah. oh my goodness, I love her. Yeah, she was a character. Yeah. And very busy in New Haven, you know, founding the Long Wharf Theater and doing a bunch of other stuff. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. Mm. Yes, she was one of the three founders of Long Wharf. No. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. How phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and worked at the Child Study Center. She was she, she was busy. That's yeah, like my favorite place at Yale. I love that. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful person. She was. And yeah. you're carrying on. In my way. You are in, in a your big way. way. A very beautiful. So why the inn? An inn is quite an adventure. I stay in them sometimes. I think they're so charming and this is gonna be something you know, when this or if this goes through all the way. But why why in your heart do you want to do that? Well, we have this giant house right smack in the middle of the farm. And it seemed a shame to just let it rot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as my mother was aging, I thought it was the logical thing to do. And yeah. yes, it's, it's quite an undertaking. Just the permitting is striking business. Yeah, but, but really every room seems to have this window out yeah. with this incredible yeah. Everywhere view. You look. Yeah, oh my, Everywhere. I feel 360 like, degrees. You know, yeah. Do you feel this, Pauline, because you spent so much time, I feel like I'm in California, weirdly enough. You know, and somewhere in Napa, yeah. yeah. Do you see that? Do you can I you do. get that? Well, yeah, I was very influenced by California. Mm. And thank you. That's a nice compliment. So yes, well, I did, I just thought it seemed the logical thing to do. So we're we're moving forward on it, and it is. It's I it's think it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I'm very. I can't daunted. wait to stay. Good. Okay, I'm bringing I, my wife back. You're, I'm glad. <laughs> what I, are you saying? I like the idea of agri-tourism. Yeah. I like the mm -hmm. idea of being able to stay at a place where people are working on the farm. And, you and the food is there. It. And mm -hmm. the food is here. Well, you have like canning classes or different events? Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. And you're going to have um, host dinners at the farm. This is um, something that Jonathan Rapp and company do. 
and you're it's going to they're going to be five nights here wow. and that is august 9th through 13th and so this is at our website foodschmooze.org if you want to sign up for it can you describe what that's like with the tables lined up in the field it's a huge locavore event with giant a giant tent long tables multi-courses ken what do you want to oh, chime it's, in it's on? one of my favorite things we do at the farm again we want to talk about community but this is really the event of the season it's a giant pole tent with at least two or maybe even three poles in the center and tables set up family style several maybe a hundred feet long awesome. and a lot of people buy seats together in groupings so sure. they can be there with their friends and those are always the rowdy ones and then you have other people who are sitting next to somebody who they've just met yeah. and there's some great conversations that come from that there's uh, hors d'oeuvres going around on platters ahead of the yeah. meal there's a drink tent that features some some drink that's the the featured drink of the evening yeah. is it all lantern light it is it is awesome. it starts out yeah. while it's sort of late late uh afternoon so, so the, the sun is still in the sky oh. we do a quick tour and then yeah. Everybody tucks into a nice hors d'oeuvre on a tray and yeah. multiple trays go around. And then it's probably three to five courses, depending on which night you yeah. arrive. I think it's usually six courses. Six, sorry. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want anybody we, to worry. There's plenty of food. Right, right. There is indeed. And there's multiple, multiple we can wines testify to be uh, enjoyed, too. Isn't that great? And, I feel like and, you need a tent. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Stay the night. And yeah. what happens if it rains? It's we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has happened, and oh. they have sides for the tent, and mm -hmm. it's it's different for cozy. sure, but it's very cozy, yeah. and it's kind of yeah. cool in its own yeah. way. It's just different. Yeah, I've, I've actually been at one of those. I was mm. just trying to, to yeah. set you up to say what that they still happen. Oh, yes. Mm. And they're and cozier. It's still the lantern yeah, light. Like fog blowing it's through. Adorable. It's and very cozy. magical. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So um, the chocolate zucchini cupcakes with chocolate cream frosting, someone. Oh, they're so good. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think Robin and I said we were going to split one. And then you said split you another split, one. You said you were going to split, split two. One, yeah, split one and then split another one. <laughs> That's a whole one each, <laughs> but nice. But who's now, counting? Wait a minute. What happened to the kale and the See, orange cupcakes? I want to take, that. I I take that one. Who would think kale inside a cupcake? Yep. Out of all that, my, my favorite, favorite yeah, was too. the orange and the kale. Well, but believe lemon. me, these are, this is dessert. We're yeah. not talking oh, about yeah. something no. that tastes like a log No, you know, in the old days. I could eat two of those. You just kept wanting to eat Moist and juicy. And then the citrus, the glaze on top. Compliments to our kitchen here and our kitchen staff because they're able to marry the things we have in the field mm -hmm. into these great baked goods and these, these seasonally fresh wow. things. So we're seasonally inspired, you know, baked yeah. goods. And that really well does, yeah, well done. It, it really is nice. Yeah. Um, so delicious. What's the web? I, I know. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Really, just such a pleasure. Thank you for running the farm the way you do. And to your staff in the kitchen, really just love all of you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Lo and I love you all so much, as oh, you know, Chris Buffier and Mark Raymond and Alex Robinson, and Robin and the guys, uh, Karen. Um, okay, off we go to more exciting programming here on Public Radio. And uh, don't forget our slogan, never eat more than you can lift. At the farm, at Whitegate Farm in East Lyme, Connecticut, I'm Faith Middleton.
Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And, of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.